all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. What we've shown in our studies is that when you take the Megaspore in the first three to four weeks, you're significantly altering the diversity of the microbiome. So you're getting a much higher diversity, which is the number one thing that makes a healthy microbiome healthy is the diversity in the microbiome. You're also regrowing these really important keystone strains that have significant protective benefit like acromantia, Fecalum bacteria, so these are really fancy bacterial names, but just remember, these are like your superhero strains that naturally occur in your gut, but in people who have uh, issues, chronic issues, infections, and just being in the Western world alone, these strains tend to be at really low levels. This podcast is sponsored by the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host and Lime Journey Guide, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 228. And just like last week, this week is going to be a little bit different, mainly because Aurora is still on her countrywide tour. I thought originally she was just going to visit her sister in Minnesota. However, she also decided to visit a college friend of hers, her roommate, all the way down in Arizona. So she's gone from Minnesota to Arizona, and she's going to meet up with my wife, her mother, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. That's just crazy. And then they'll both drive home together from there. And the reason my wife is going out to Ann Arbor, because she's driving with her father, who's going to visit his son and their family out in Nebraska. It's a big country, and my family loves loves to drive it. But enough about what's going on in my crazy world. I'd like to give a shout-out to all you longtime Lime Ninjas. You're the reason we have half a million downloads. Aurora and I really appreciate you tuning in. In this episode, episode number 228, you're going to learn three main things. How thoroughly chewing your food helps your immune system. Number two, why you should consider adding a spore-based probiotic to your Lyme protocol. And number three, you can learn all about Megaspore's new Gut Restore Protocol. And as you know, gut health is the foundation of your health. Many people struggle with healing because their gut is creating all kinds of inflammation, all kinds of autoimmune setup situations with leaky gut and so forth and so on. You got to get your gut healed to finish your Lyme journey. Enough said. 
Today's guest is Kieran Krishnan, and he's a research microbiologist and has been involved in the dietary supplement and nutrition field for the past 16 years, at least 16 years. He comes from a research background, having spent many years with hands-on research and development in the field of molecular medicine and microbiology at the University of Iowa. All right, strap in and sit tight. I know you're going to learn a lot from this week's interview with Kieran Krishnan. Hello, Kieran. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hey, great to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to speak with you and about this topic that has really become probably the number one health issue in the U.S., if not the world, and that's gut health and what's going on in your intestines and the microbiome down there and the condition of the small intestine and the large intestine and how that all relates to health and particularly Lyme disease. So thanks for giving us your time here, and I'm really excited to learn from you. It's my pleasure. And, you know, at the end of the day, to me, the future of healthcare is going to be people being empowered with with understanding and knowledge of how their body works um, and how the world around them affects all of that. Uh, so thank you for doing what you do and uh, and having me on. It's always a pleasure to be able to talk about science and, and the microbiome and, and give people a little bit of, uh, you know, some kernels of knowledge that can really affect and change their lives. Now, can we talk about digestion and briefly, actually, if, if you can even start at the mouth and yep. then the stomach and then the parts of the small intestine, because that sucker is pretty long and there are different parts of it that do slightly different things. And then finally, the colon, because really, we just kind of say gut dysregulation and leave it at that. But there's there's a lot going on between chewing your peanuts and excreting what's left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, and that's that's a great place to start because, you know, let's talk about the digestive process to begin with, and then we'll talk about all of the things that people may not know that are that's actually going on during that digestive process. You know, there's, uh, like you said, there's a lot going on in there. So, you know, starting with the mouth, the whole idea is that you have these teeth that that macerate the food, and then um, and then there's a whole bunch of um, antibodies in your saliva that actually their their job is to be the first line of defense for things that are entering your system. So you've got you know um, secretory IgA in your saliva, which is an immunoglobulin or an immune uh, component that neutralizes bacteria, toxins, viruses, and all that. So your first line of defense is right there in your mouth. Now, the other thing in your mouth, in your saliva, is uh, an enzyme called amylase. So right off the bat, the two things that come in contact with food you know, in the beginning is your immune system and your digestive system. The amylase, the enzyme that's designed to break down carbohydrate structures, and then the um, secretory IgA, which is designed to neutralize potentially harmful things that start to, uh, that you're exposed to starting in the mouth. Then when you chew and you macerate it, it exposes more surface area of the food. It makes the food uh, easier to digest when it gets into the stomach and so on. Uh, and that maceration is a really important process. That's one of the first steps where people screw up their digestive system. We don't chew our food enough. 
You know, we've, we may have heard that in grade school and there was this old adage I can remember about chewing your food 32 times or something like that before you swallow it. And the, the lack of chewing the food actually makes it that much harder to break it down and assimilate the nutrients from it. And so that's a really important process. And that also gives time for the antibodies that exist in your, in your saliva to actually neutralize any sort of toxins and viruses and mold components that may be coming into the food as well. Now, here's another thing that occurs in the mouth that people don't really understand is that your mouth is full of immune tissue as well. So it's called the buccal mucosa, the buccal immune system. And that immune tissue is sampling things that are coming in to try to figure out what is being introduced into the system. And depending on how your immune system is trained, it can either start to trigger an allergenic and inflammatory response, or it'll trigger a tolerance response. Tolerance response means the immune system is not going to do anything about it, which is what we want when it comes to food. But if it picks up the presence of a pathogen or something that could be problematic, it starts to rev up the immune system so that you can um, appropriately defend against it. So all of those things are occurring in your mouth while you're chewing your peanuts. You know, it seems like a mundane, simple thing that you're doing, but all of this amazing biology and chemistry is occurring. Now, as you start chewing, your stomach already knows that stuff is coming. So you start secreting hydrochloric acid into your stomach um, and, you, and your stomach starts getting active with what we call the uh, the stomaching process, which where your stomach actually squishes and mixes things around as it sits in that hydrochloric acid. So you can feel your stomach contracting and that, that gurgling in the stomach, all of that stuff indicates that the stomach is getting ready to accept food in there, start coating it with acid. So not only does it kill all the bacteria and viruses that shouldn't be there, but it starts breaking down the food particles itself. Um, now, the microbiome, the bacteria that live in your stomach, in your digestive tract and all that starts to sense food that's coming in from your mouth and your stomach, and they start to prepare by producing enzymes for you in your intestines, in your small intestines. So when, it, when the food then enters your stomach, it gets mixed up with hydrochloric acid, with uh, bicarbonate, um, and then it go and, and a cup pepsin and a couple other things, and then it goes into your small bowel where it's supposed to be digested by enzymes and then also detected by your immune system. So that's the second time your immune system starts to look at what's coming in and tries to figure out whether there's something they should attack or something they should not. If you have a dysfunctional immune system and you're sensitive to certain foods or you have allergies to certain foods, this is the point in which your dysfunctional immune system starts attacking stuff that's coming into your digestive tract. And that's because the microbes in your gut aren't communicating appropriately to your immune system and your intestines to tell them that, that, hey, this is a normal food component, don't attack it, or hey, this is a pathogenic bacteria, let's get ready to rumble and attack it. You know, So all of those intimate communications are occurring between all of these microbes that live in your gut and your immune system, which basically coats your digestive tract. So let's so, let's pause yeah. there for a second because this is a little bit new to me. So I was aware that there's a lot of communication going on between the body's microbiome and the immune system further down the digestion. But you're saying it's happening right there in the stomach and the upper end of the small intestine. 
Yeah, in fact, there's communication all throughout the digestive tract. So there's something called a mucosa layer, right? So that mucus layer covers everything on the inside of your body. In fact, it's about 150 times greater in surface area than your than your skin, your dermal layer, which we used to think of as being the largest organ in the body. But now we come to know that this mucosal surface on the inside of the body, which covers your res respiratory tract, your urogenital tract, you know, everything, your eyes, your ears, everything that enters your body through any orifice has to go through a mucus layer to begin with. And in that mucus layer is an intimate relationship between microbes that live in the mucus layer and your immune cells that also exist in the mucus layer. So, so the, the mucus is alive. The mucus is alive. And in fact, it's arguably one of the most important components in your body because that mucus layer is, is the site of action for everything that your body reacts to, whether it's an invading virus or bacteria, or it's a food particle, or it's a mold toxin, or it's a chemical from the outside world. Everything goes through the mucus layer, and that's where it's decided how that thing is going to affect your body. And the intimate relationship there that makes those decisions are the microbes that exist there and the immune cells that exist there. And in, in your gut, about 80% of all of your immune tissue is found in the mucus layer of your gut. And then, of course, the mucus layer in your gut is covered with 100 trillion bacteria. So the bacteria com are constantly communicating with your immune system, starting in the mouth, all the way through the stomach. There, there are microbes that live in the stomach that play a role in the communication, and then all the way through the digestive tract till you poop it out. Um, that intimacy exists all throughout the digestive system. Um, and, and then there's one particular area in the small bowel and the small intestine called the ileum, and that's the very end of the small bowel, and there's something called the pears patches there. And the pears patches are really interesting because um, it's the main site of immune sampling of everything that's entering the body, right? So it, things go through the mouth, the stomach, they go through the, the beginning part of the small intestine that's called the duodenum, and then they go to the ileum, uh, uh, sorry, the, the jejunum, and then finally the ileum. And when it gets to the ileum, most of the nutrients have been extracted from the food that you ate. Your body should have digested most of what it can digest at that point. The, the microbes that it encountered would have di done the digesting that it can do. At this point, the undigestible stuff is about to enter the colon, where it's going to be fermented by a whole bunch of other bacteria to give you all of these other benefits, which we can list um, you know, as we go along. Um, but, but prior to entering the colon, that checkpoint is called the, the uh, pears patches. That's where your immune system takes a real serious look at what's coming into the system. And then if there's anything that has to be taught or amplified, it does it at those pears patches. And because those pears patches are connected to a set of glandular systems called a mesenteric glandular system. So any signals that are really important systemically for your body uh, to fight infections, like, for example, Lyme disease, which occurs typically in the peripheral part of your body, right, somewhere else outside of the gut. But the signals and the tutoring and the understanding of how to fight those particular infections comes from that Peyer's patches, that sampling that occurs there. And your microbes in your gut are constantly bombarding the Peyer's patches with signals and information to try to tutor your immune system on what's good, what's not good, and what it should be looking for to fight. That's 
an insane amount of information going back <laughs> and forth. And I know we, we all want to simplify this and make this a simple linear pathway that we can understand, but it's not, is it? It's this incredible cloud of data going back and forth that uh, self-references itself and, you know, j just as ridiculously complex and, and to try, you know, so here, here's one thing that's, I, I like about uh, the megaspore probiotic and the, the, the theory using spore-based uh, probiotics to really kind of police this rather than trying to change. Because if you've got billions and billions or trillions of of uh, bacteria in your gut doing their job, and you introduce say even eleven, you know it's eleven different strains are trying to support them. And like what what are you really doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what are you yeah. really doing? So can you talk about why? Using spore base because we talk a little bit about the hydrochloric acid in the stomach. We've we've kind of highlighted why you need something that survives the gut and what the difference is here. And I want to get right into uh, your product. Yeah. So and and you know, let me give you a little background on how we even approach this. The whole idea is that um, the microbiome and everything that goes on in the gut, the the intricacy of everything that's happening in the gut, is very. Pro, uh, bacteria dominant. You know, the bacteria have a very specialized role, and, and it's a role that we don't even really completely understand yet. You know, we're probably a decade away from fully understanding everything that they can and do for us in the gut and, and their role in our overall health and wellness. We do know that they play a pinnacle role in our health outcomes and the types of bacteria we have in our gut dictate our health outcomes in large part, even how long we live are dictated by the types of bacteria in our gut. But it's so complex and there's many dimensions to it. And so when we said, you know, what what is a probiotic then? You know, like, are we really making any impact by taking this product that has 100 billion CFUs and 15 strains in it? It sounds like a lot. But 100 billion, when you put it into a sea of 100 trillion organisms, you know, it's a literally a drop of ink in the ocean. You know, it's, you're not doing anything. Um, and then most of them are dying in the stomach and not even getting to the site of action in the intestines alive. So our simple question was, where did our ancestors, through the majority of the course of human evolution, where did they encounter bacteria that they consumed on a regular basis? And when you look at the when you look at the data and the anthropological and 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 all that uh, information, you come to the simple conclusion that they in, interacted with the environment. You know, after you're born and you get that first inoculum of bacteria from your mom passing through the vaginal canal, drinking breast milk, which contains about six hundred different species of bacteria. After that period, uh, in the first years of life the rest of your life you're interacting with the outside environment. And our ancestors were just smart enough to eat dirt. They didn't sterilize the environment that they were in. They didn't sterilize their food supply. They drank water out of rivers and streams. They dug for food, um, you know, and so they had significant interaction with the bacteria in the environment. So we started honing in on bacteria in the environment that could have a probiotic effect. And how did we define a probiotic effect? Well. Our first thing was that it has to survive naturally through the gastric system. So if nature intended the bacteria to function 
as a probiotic in the gut, it has to survive through this gauntlet that bacteria have to go through, starting with the neutralization in the mouth that we talked about, you know, the neutralization by those antibodies, the IgA. If they can survive that, then the next thing they have to survive is a really harsh stomach acid that occurs in the stomach. And the stomach acid is so harsh and, and you know, people don't really give it the credit it should, if you were able to touch your own stomach acid with your finger, it would burn off the tips of your fingers. That's how uh, intense the stomach acid is. And it kills 99.99% of everything that enters. So, so it has to make it past that really harsh stomach acid. If it somehow makes it past the stomach acid, the next thing that kills bacteria entering the body are bile salts. Bile salts in the upper part of the GI are really strong antimicrobials. Then if it makes it past that, the next thing is pancreatic enzymes. Pancreatic enzymes also have antimicrobial activity that kill bacteria. So there's these four or five lethal steps of killing bacteria that are entering through the oral route that a microbe has to go through in order to qualify as being a probiotic, right? And the vast majority of probiotics on the market cannot make it through that because they're not naturally designed to do that. So we honed in on bacteria that could naturally survive that. And our presumption was if nature gave it the capability of surviving through all of that, then it likely has some important function in the gut. You know, that's just how evolution works. And so um, we honed in on these spores, these bacterial endospores, that when they're outside of the body, they have the capability of covering themselves with this thick protein calcified armor-like coating. And that armor-like coating gives them all the protection they need to naturally survive through the mouth, the stomach acid, the bile salts, the pancreatic enzymes, and get to the site of action in the small bowel where they start to function as a probiotic. So that was our first thing is like, it, clearly environmental bacteria are the ones that have the biggest impact because that's what we're exposed to naturally. And then within the environmental bacteria, there's a subset that actually can survive through the gauntlet uh, that it has to go through in order to function as a probiotic. So that was our first piece of investigation. That took us a few years to find the right strains that can do that. Now, once we found those strains, and the question is, what kind of probiotic effect do they have in the gut? You know, How are they modulating the gut? Can they actually influence the hundreds of trillions of bacteria that are actually in the gut um, and what we're finding out from two papers that we're publishing in the next few months is that when you add the spores into the microbiome, they act as a gut police, essentially. They are the orchestrators of the environment in the gut. We are showing in one of the papers we're publishing that you can increase the diversity in your microbiome by almost 50% by adding in these spores. So imagine in an unhealthy microbiome that has you know, very few uh, proliferating functioning bacteria uh, relative to what you should have, you can increase the prevalence of beneficial bacteria by four or 500 species by adding in the spores. I mean, that's mind boggling to think that these spores can go in at a dose of 4 billion, which is relatively insignificant when you think about the rest of the microbiome, but they can go in there and they can change the microbiome by nearly 30, 40 trillion organisms. That's how powerful they are. And as it turns out, we have outsourced most of that function to them because we can't do that ourselves. If our gut is in disarray, if our, if our microflora is, in, is dysfunctional because of antibiotics we've taken or whatever it is that we've done to screw it up, um, we have almost no system endogenously to fix that. 
we count on these types of bacteria to do the fixing for us. And, and with our modern predilection for having everything be super clean, we're not going out to the garden and pulling a carrot out of the soil and getting some of these naturally. So we have to do it artificially, quote unquote, artificially. Yeah, absolutely. That was our whole premise. You know, our, our idea was that if, if we were still living a semi-ancestral life, if we, even if you were located in the rural part of your country and you were, you were farming and hopefully it's a clean biodynamic farm and not covered in pesticides and herbicides, but assuming that was your lifestyle, you were getting some measure of exposure to these particular types of organisms that are extremely important in, in controlling and uh, really designing the, uh, the microbiome. But the vast majority of people in our country or in the Western population don't live in those environments. And so we're getting almost no exposure to these really important strains that effectively are the regulators of our whole system. And, um, you know, and, and because we're not getting that exposure, uh, we are seeing the consequences of that, where we continuously bombard our gut with things that kill bacteria, you know, like antibiotics that we mentioned earlier, but herbicides and pesticides that cover our foods, the chlorine and the fluoride in our drinking water, the preservatives and all the antimicrobials found in processed foods and also um, in, in foods that you buy produce. Um, you know, all the personal care products with the antimicrobials and all that in it and parabens and so on. So everything around us is designed to kill bacteria. And all of those things enter our system and kill our bacteria. And so in light of having all of those negative influences, you know, our view was that we need to put back at least one positive influence back into our system. And we're seeing it from the clinical trials we're doing the results are amazing when you put back one positive influencer back into your microbiome. Now, one thing that I'm fascinated about with your trials and this combination uh, protocol that you have for gut restoration is that there's not necessarily a diet piece to it. Now, of course, diet's going to help, but the study you did, you didn't do a dietary intervention, and still you found that the gut was able to heal. And so many people out there are having to do radical diet things just to try and get their inflammation in their gut under control. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's a really important point to bring up. And uh, in, in all of the studies we're doing, so right now we're, we're finishing up um, uh, a periodontal gum disease study uh, because there's a significant connection between leaky gut, inflammation in the gut, and the health of your gums. Uh, we're doing a rheumatoid arthritis study. Uh, we're starting a cancer study in melanoma. Um, you know, all of these types of different studies and the triglyceride study, the 90-day triglyceride study we just completed, none of those studies did we do we have a dietary or lifestyle intervention. Our, our simple thinking is just by adding in these spores, can that make enough of a change in your microbiome where you can see these beneficial clinical outcomes? Um, and the idea of that is, is because, you know, it, it's one of the hardest things for people to do is change their lifestyle. Right, and to change their diet and make those interventions uh, in their daily choices. Um, and so we want to see, can we impact their overall health and wellness just by adding in the spores? And so, yes, none of the studies that we're doing have any dietary intervention at all. I would say that if we could do a nice controlled dietary intervention where 
if nothing else, we're just shifting them to organic eating uh, or increasing the diversity of what they're eating, the, the results would probably be even more profound. Uh, but it's really shocking to see how profound the results are without any sort of dietary intervention at all. And, you know, our first leaky gut study, um, it, it was done uh, mostly in college students. You know, so we know they're not doing anything good for themselves, right? You know, and that was actually a fear of mine. I'm thinking like, you know, all they're doing is taking 4 billion of these a day. I know they're out drinking, partying, eating fast food, you know, being stressed, staying up late, all of the things that we know are bad. Um, you know, I, I was very apprehensive of whether or not we would see any change or impact in the degree of leaky gut in their inflammatory markers and all of these things. Uh, and we were really shocked to see that this, that the changes were so significant. Now, I, I want to go over four of your products. So the, the main product is the Megaspore probiotic the spore-based bacteria. Then you have a mucosal healing product and a prebiotic, which is food or fertilizer, quote-unquote, for the, the beneficial bacteria. And then you have an IgG product as well, which I know my uh, listeners will want to hear about. So can you briefly go through that and how that they work together? Yeah, so so three of the four products are part of what we call the total gut restoration system. Uh, and there's three steps to that total gut restoration system. Uh, and they're easy to remember because they all start with R's. Uh, step one is recondition. So the idea there is you're using the probiotics. So you start with the megaspore. And, and the idea behind the megaspore is you're reconditioning the, the gut environment and the population in the gut. So what, we, what we've shown in our studies is that when you take the megaspore in the first three to four weeks, you're significantly altering the diversity of the microbiome. So you're getting a much higher diversity, which is the number one thing that makes a healthy microbiome healthy is the diversity in the microbiome. You're also regrowing these really important keystone strains that have significant protective benefit like acromantia, fecalum bacteria. So these are really fancy bacterial names, but just remember, these are like your superhero strains that naturally occur in your gut. But in people who have uh, issues, chronic issues, infections, and just being in the Western world alone, these strains tend to be at really low levels. So during that reconditioning phase, the, the spores are changing the environment within the, within the gut. They're suppressing the growth of the pathogens. They're suppressing the growth of the overgrown bacteria. And they are increasing the diversity and increasing the beneficial bacteria. So now they're starting to make a population change within the gut. Now, the next step we call reinforce. And the whole idea there is as you start to have this new looking microbiome that's more diverse, that has a higher number of these superhero strains that protect you against all these disease conditions, we want to reinforce those new microbes by providing them food that's specific for them. So our prebiotic is a different take on prebiotics. We actually call it a precision prebiotic. The idea there is that we, we carefully selected oligosaccharides that have been clinically shown to specifically feed those good bacteria. One of our concerns with prebiotics in general was that if it's a general food for bacteria, it's going to feed bad bacteria as well as it feeds good bacteria. You know, so you're going to end up with a situation where it actually makes your dysfunction even worse because now your bad bacteria are happily feeding on these prebiotics and proliferating. 
So we have meticulously developed this precision prebiotic that has uh, prebiotics that specifically feed good bacteria in your large bowel. So, so you start with the recondition, you're starting to change the population. Then for the next three or four weeks, you come in with the reinforce, where you're reinforcing those positive changes by giving it those spe specified prebiotics. Now, after the end of that three or four week period, then the last step is called rebuild. And the whole idea behind the rebuild is now that you have this new population of bacteria that's more diverse, that's protective, that helps your, uh, protect you against conditions and repairs your system, you got to give that bacteria the tools that it needs in order to repair your gut lining, your gut mucosal structure, um, the digestive system, the nervous system and the digestive tract and so on. So the, what's in that reinforce is a, is a product called Mega Mucosa, and that has four key amino acids that are the building blocks of that really important mucus structure that we talked about. Uh, it's got a uh, bovine immunoglobulin, which is also in that IgG product, which I'll, which I'll talk about. Uh, and then it's got a really important polyphenol mix. Now, polyphenols are going to become the next most important thing that you start to hear about when it comes to gut health and the microbiome. Because as it turns out, polyphenols, which are these uh, compounds, and they call polyphenols, meaning, you know, they, these are chemical compounds, natural compounds that come from fruits and vegetables and, and plant-based materials, uh, and poly, meaning there's many different versions of them. And um, they are essentially used by the microbiome for fuel, for um, producing things like vitamins, uh, producing things like anti-inflammatory compounds, for producing things like prebiotics. Um, so they're really, really important for the health of the ecology and the microbiome. And they are a tool that a healthy microbiome uses to fix the immune response in the gut, to fix the gut lining, uh, to help grow other parts of the population of the bacteria, and so on. So these, these tools are part of the rebuilding phase. So again, there's three phases to the total gut restoration, the recondition with the megasporbiotic, that's a spore-based probiotic. And then after four weeks of doing that, you add in the reinforcement phase, which is the prebiotic. And then after four weeks of doing that and the, and the megaspore together, then you add in the rebuilding phase, which is the tools your microbiome needs to rebuild that whole gut system and the gut immune system. Now, the fourth product you mentioned, the Mega IgG, is an absolutely fascinating product. It's one of my favorite products that I've ever come across uh, ingredient-wise. We did not develop the ingredient. We got to partner with a phenomenal company based in Iowa called Enterra Health uh, that has been doing this and working on this for the last about 60, 70 years. Um, what's phenomenal about the product is you know, it acts as an intelligent neutralizer of all things that seem to cause significant inflammation and damage in your gut. You know, things like mold toxins, viral components, or viruses themselves, bacterial components, bacterial toxins, all of these things that enter your system, even environmental toxins that come into your system uh, through your digestive tract that seem to break down your intestinal barrier, that seem to cause inflammation in your intestines and, and drive a dysfunction, this immunoglobulin product, which is a product that comes from healthy cows, they basically pull out the serum from the cows and they spin down the serum and they isolate the antibodies in the serum. 
And those antibodies have this amazing neutralizing power. So that's one of the products I use every single day as one of my basic protections against the toxic world around me. You know, and so when you add that product in, that's a whole layer of detoxifying the gut, neutralizing all of the things that we're exposed to that create uh, significant inflammation, significant damage. So that's the system in general. So the way you would use that fourth product in the total gut restoration is if your gut is really messed up and let's say you've, you've been dealing with Lyme disease and you've been through several courses of antibiotics and you know your gut is messed up, you would start that IgG product when you start the recondition phase uh, with the Megaspore. So you would add it in as, the, as part of the first phase of your total gut restoration. And then when you bring in the prebiotic in the second part, you can either stop that IgG or if, it, if you're really doing well on it, you can continue it. Uh, it's one of the products I take every day along with the spores. Uh, and I, since I've done the total gut restoration myself a few times, I actually just use the prebiotic and the mucosa intermittently uh, which is step two and three. I use it intermittently uh, throughout the year. I don't throughout the month. Sorry, I don't need it all the time. But the thing I take all the time is a, is a mega spore and then the mega IgG, which is the um, the bovine immunoglobulin. So I know that was a lot of information, but hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> it's awesome. And since you take that daily, what do you notice since taking it? And what do you notice if you miss a couple days? Yeah, that's a great question. So let me talk about, I'll talk about what I notice and what my wife notices too, because two very different things. Awesome. Uh, and it's quite interesting, you know? So what I notice, uh, and, and part of the reason I take it every day is because I travel a lot. So I fly almost 300,000 miles a year. I speak at, all, at almost 50 conferences a year. Many of them are now international. So there are weeks where I'm in two or three countries in one week. You know, and so I spend a lot of time in planes, a lot of time eating out, and a lot of time uh, in different time zones. And that wreaks havoc on your body. Um, so the biggest thing I notice is my ability to adjust to the changes in time zone, uh, my ability to not have any disruptions in, in how my gut functions, no matter what world or country I'm in. Uh, and I can eat a very, very diverse and diet. I mean, I can virtually eat anything in almost any country and not have any issues. Um, and, and my sleep, that's one of the biggest things I noticed that when I don't take it, my sleep kind of gets really disruptive. My body's a little more amped up, a little more inflamed, dealing with more toxicity, and that disrupts my ability to sleep and go to sleep easier. When I take it regularly, I sleep like a baby. That's one of my things that I notice because my body, every time it's under stress and under any degree of toxicity, it manifests itself in, in, in a poor ability to fall asleep really easily. Now, my wife, on the other hand, you know, her, the way her body manifests, uh, you know, toxicity and, and all that is through stress and being anxious, um, uh, being a little worked up, you know, so she's got that very kind of worked up personality, uh, when, when her body's going through inflammation and toxicity. And since she started taking, she only started taking it about three months ago, you know, she's, she keeps asking me, it's like, I don't, I don't quite understand what's in this. She's not a scientist. She's like, but this is like the most calming, thing I've ever taken. And it, it has just brought down her stress and anxiety level 
uh, five notches from where she normally is. And, you know, and that to me is like the most rewarding thing because, you know, they say happy wife, happy life. And so, you know, if, if, if anyone is going to be taking that every single day, it's going to be her because that has such a big impact, not only on her, but on me as well. So manifesting in two different ways, uh, you know, everyone's body is going to react differently to toxicity and to inflammation. Some people, it's going to be skin issues. You know, if, you're, if your body's going through toxicity and inflammation, you're going to get, uh, you know, a little bit of eczema. You're going to get a little psoriasis or you're going to get red kind of patches or, or um, bumps. Uh, other people, it's going to be cognitive issues. Some people, it's going to be brain fog. Uh, other people, it's going to be tiredness, you know, inability to focus. Um, so we all manifest differently. But those are the kinds of things that you'll start to see change when you utilize that product. Now, this is not a fair question because I didn't give you any heads up. And you may or may not know the answer to it. Do, do you know if this IgG product has any influence on the M1 versus M2 expression of macrophages in the gut? Now, that's a great question. Now, um, I so I've I've read virtually all of the studies on the IgG product, and and in fact, um, in fact, they've done a, a number of studies, and this is what actually got me interested in the product in the first place. They've done a number of studies on HIV patients because HIV patients, of course, have a completely dysfunctional immune system, um, and they have very leaky gut. In fact, uh, the NIH published a study in 2014 that, that showed that HIV subjects die typically from leaky gut. In fact, they, they concluded that the degree of leakiness in their gut was a better predictor of their mortality rate than the, than the viral load that they, that they have no in kidding. their system, right? Wow. Isn't it amazing the, that the NIH yes. published it? Now, they didn't use the term leaky gut. They said uh, barrier dysfunction and <laughs> HIV enteropathy, you know? Right. Uh, but it's the same thing. They describe the whole process, how the gut becomes leaky and permeable and uh, the mucosal in, uh, inflammation takes hold, uh, all of that stuff, all of the stuff we've been talking about in the integrative medicine world. And these guys were some of the first guys to do studies in that respect to see if they can improve uh, the immune response in the mucosa and the leakiness in the gut in HIV subjects, which is a really uh, radical an intense form of what other people are suffering through. And because of what they've shown in the ability to upregulate CD4 T cells, my guess is it may, it may have an impact on the macrophage response. Um, because macrophage response being part of the innate immune cell system does lend itself to increasing expression in CD4 T cells. Uh, whether it's uh, the, the fluctuation between M1 and M2, I've not seen that in a research paper, but my guess is it does have an impact on both macrophage and dendritic cell response as well. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for that. A L- little bit of technical insider talk there, and hopefully it didn't go over too many people's head. But if it did, <laughs> don't worry about it. What it did means is the IgG is calming things down and helping your immune system function properly and actually be flexible. Uh, Kieran, I'm trying to uh, get the idea of a flexible immune system out yeah. there in the world. And I think that's that's really what we're talking about because it's not, you know, whether, you know, you're on the inflammatory side or the repair side, it's can you can your immune system appropriately respond, you know, in the tissue, in the damaged tissue uh, and and within the infection itself or or whatever's going on and not get stuck on, on one phase or another like we see in cancer or autoimmunity or in uh, severe inflammatory diseases. 
Yeah, and and you you said the right word, stuck. You know, and that flexibility is key because uh, when when people have the conditions, the inflammatory conditions, the cancers, the autoimmune disease, the infl- the immune system is stuck in a process, and it's not shuttling through the next phases of immunity, which is the adaptive side and so on, the regulatory side of the immune system. And more and more as we understand how the immune system works, we come to understand that the microbiome plays a critical role in, in, in shuttling the immune system through those natural steps and getting it out of this stuck mode. You know, one of the ways I explain the immune system to people is the, think of the immune system as an army that has all of the soldiers, all of the tanks, all of the bombs, all of the equipment to fight a war, but it doesn't have a general. Right? So the immune system is not set up from the beginning with information on what the battlefield looks like, what the enemy looks like, who it should target, who it shouldn't target. That information, that general, the tutoring of the immune system comes from the microbiome. It's the job of the microbes in our gut and in our body to train our immune system on how to function, which is really, really interesting because imagine our one and only defense system in our body, we have naturally turned it over to bacteria to control. You know, so it's it's mind-boggling from a biological standpoint, but but it absolutely makes sense when we think about the complexities of the immune system and what all it has to deal with. You know, so um, in order to get your immune system to function properly, to not get stuck in any one mode, and to to be dynamic and be flexible, we need to make sure we have a healthy microbiome. And that that basically you know, means you need a diverse microbiome, you need to bring down pathogen growth and, and problematic bacteria, you need high levels of these hero uh, strains, you need the production of things like short-chain fatty acids and all that that goes on in the colon. So you need just proper functioning uh, and your immune system will, will do its job. Kieran, thank you so much. You've been incredibly generous with your time and your knowledge. And I can't believe that you're traveling like that. That's just insane. You're definitely on a mission and uh, it's a good mission. So thank you for your work. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you so much for what you do as well. I always tell people that, you know, the future of health care is going to come in people being empowered with the knowledge to help themselves, right? We can't count on medical systems to do it for us, to take care of us. We have to take care of ourselves and our loved ones. And shows like yours uh, where people can come and learn about how their body functions and what they can do to help themselves are really, really important to people's outcomes. And so it's my honor and pleasure to be able to uh, you know, join you on your show and, and program and, and, you know, talk a little bit about that knowledge. Uh, and again, like you said, I'm on a mission, you know, that my, my focus is educating the doctors and practitioners. And that's why I, I go to as many conferences as I go to, you know, I take any kind of speaking opportunity, I can physically muster, uh, you know, myself to get to um, among all the other ones, because this kind of information is so important. So thank you for having me on and I uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Man, I am continually blown away at how important gut health is to overall health and healing. And I encourage you, this is an area you really haven't taken care of in terms of your journey, your Lyme journey back to health. If you're struggling 
even with dealing with the antibiotics or killing off the bugs, whatever you may be dealing with in terms of infections, or you're kind of past that stage and you're not 100% healthy yet, you have to look at your gut health. You have to, have to, have to. It's a critical piece of your healing from Lyme disease and the after effects of the modern scourge that we're dealing with. All right. If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. And if you really like what we're doing, leave us a review on your podcast app. It helps us reach more people just like you. And if you really, really like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, share this podcast with a friend. You just might save their life. As always, if you have any feedback, suggestions for a guest, really anything at all, just send an email to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. And as you all know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. Did you know a ninja can pour a pancake so thin it only has one side? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.